Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 30 The Summer is Here Jan lost her movement. A tree, unnatural, should be whipping about in winds this high. But she was still. Lara waited, terrified almost to the pitch of numbness. The next moments would unravel her entirely, she knew, and she would never be whole once they did. Jan turned and fled, speaking no word. Her retreating back flashed among the trees and was gone. Lara watched the disappearance, and deep within her she nodded. This was rightful. She had taken beloved life, and it was not meet that she herself should continue to have it, even the life of a blank mind. She dropped to the earth heavily and began to find the stilling. She knew it contained yet darker depths into which she could sink and never return. Among the fierce flaming of her hearts, Jan screamed. She was running now, back toward the shore had she known it. Her eyes seemed stricken blind. Whippy branches struck her, but she felt nothing. Dire and dead. That thankless, selfish, despicable girl. She burst into the sun and the sands, weeping. Dane had risen with the morning and gone to pace the water's edge, speaking with the god, watching for Jan's return. He saw her come from the tree line and sprinted to her. Anguish radiated from her as the waves of a powerful tide come to devour the land. Love, he said, and received her. She told him. And then, as though she were a child's puppet with strings severed, she crumpled to the sand in helpless tears. Dane lay beside her, holding her body with his own. The sun dipped, the light dimmed, and still they lay. You must go to her, said the god. Jan's head came up in fury. How dare you, she whispered. Beloved, he said, for this I have formed you, 
For the soothing of her pain at the cost of mine, Jan flashed back. She felt the hand laid warm on her own. I do not say for only this. I made you also for all joy. But oh, love, if you wrench away here and do not come, how shall I show you the rest? A pause. Then she heard, Give her this. She felt something in the palm of her left hand, something minute. She opened her hand and stared at it. Dane, looking down, felt his heart shudder like a tree at the blow of an axe. Jan pushed herself up, sitting erect and quivering with anger. All hells, she shouted. Give her this. Do you know what you're asking? I myself will carry the rage and bind you up when it is done, said the god. You will not go alone. Swift now, beloved. Nothing else will save you. Lara had descended to the middle plains of the stilling, the furthest bounds where the noise and pull of the outside world could yet reach her. She heard the disturbance in the forest at Jan's approach and rose in reflex to see what it portended. Between the bowls and the boughs, Jan came. Lara, astonished, ascended to full consciousness again and stood waiting. She would resist no attack, she knew. To die violently at Jan's hands would also be meat. Jan came within arm's reach of her and stood gazing at her. Suddenly Jan whipped her hand up as though to strike Lara across the face. Jan cried out a single roar of rage and grief. Her face worked to contain an inferno. But she never touched Lara. Her hand came down as a fist before Lara's eyes. Slowly, shaking, Jan laid her fingers flat. Upon the palm of her hand lay a precariously delicate heart seed. Take it, said Jan in a voice grown prematurely old. It is yours. Lara stared, uncomprehending. She sank to her knees as though felled by lightning. And so it was that Jan herself set the seed in Lara's mouth, and Lara knew the deep approach of summer. When Lara had swallowed, Jan held out a hand to her. Come, she said. I will take you the rest of the way. 
She grasped Lara's hand and pulled her to her feet. What Jan had done once before in innocence, she did now in purity, knowing. The two women walked that evening through the dense, clinging forest back to the seaside, and then they followed the shore for some time, approaching the bulk of a mountain that lowered over the waters, descending in sheer cliffs of shadow into the surf. Jan did not speak, and Lara did not ask. She knew, without questioning, that Jan took her to the summer mountain opened to her when Jan set the final heart seed in her mouth. She could read it in the nearing peak, its broad rock breaking and tumbling down to the sands, its slopes lush and rich and verdant. They came to its feet at last, and they began to essay the climb. The day grew old as they mounted, Lara, using her hands and feet together to lift herself up the ascent, turned briefly to see the flaming rack of the sun fallen into the sea, going down amid scarlet and amber. She shivered. Jan had not spoken any word in all their journey. Her body walked and mounted ledges stiffly, almost inanimately, always a few paces ahead of Lara, who came awed and miserable behind. The trees about her had no soil. The mosses and grasses and climbing vines enriched the rock without any loam to aid them. And flowering trees bursting strong from the stone bore bud and leaf, blossom and fruit, gathered together on the boughs in mysterious joy. At last they pulled themselves up a final rock face and stood, weary, looking into the opening of a thin, cool gully. Its sides extended almost sheer for what seemed leagues into the firmament. Lara felt that surely there could be no land anywhere higher than this. Her legs trembled with exhaustion from their climb up the slopes and crags leading to this place. The sun had long since set, and yet light lingered here, a creamy, full light she found chillingly familiar. "'I may go no further with you,' said Jan. Her voice sounded distant as a dying star. With all her being, Lara wished that Jan need not leave her, but she could ask no more of this woman, wronged beyond bearing.' She nodded and whispered broken thanks, letting her eyes flicker once briefly to Jan's face before beginning to walk forward into the gully, into the enveloping light. Jan turned, her heart spattered and longing for Dane, and left the slopes of the mountain to seek out his company once more. He met her at the water's edge, taking her wordless into his arms. His hearts grew round them as a copse of young oaks, hers laying themselves along the branches, held up 
in their exhaustion by his strength. She closed her eyes. Somewhere, she said, lowly. Somewhere the heights are praising him. We shall not be sundered forever, said Dane. His hands twined themselves in her hair. The light grew. The cliffs rose about her. She felt immeasurably small. Within her chest, the three heart seeds pulsed, warm, furled. She would not do it. She would not. Far too swiftly, she reached the place of burning. The clearing was empty, but for a cairn. Its hewn rock, bare of mortar, supported an oblong stone surface with a deep indentation pressed into its center as though left by a giant's curious forefinger. The concavity bore signs of scorching. And beside the slab stood a shining creature very like a woman, silent, with head bowed, arrayed in rich scarlet and purple, with gold inlay across her shoulders. Yet, for all her finery, her comportment was like that of a servant awaiting orders. She was facing the far side of the clearing, away from her. Lara could see nothing of her face. When she crossed the clearing, the strange woman spoke. You have come to give your hearts to life, she said. Lara made no reply. You must lay them here, she said, and she set a hand on the blackened rock. Lara did not move. What will happen? The god will take them in fire, she said. Lara laughed aloud, a caustic sound, and that is his way of bringing them to life. That is his way. He must be mad, she said, and stepped back once, twice. Nevertheless, said the Shining One, there is no other way. Will you lay them here? stood before the terrible slab and trembled. A shred of her anger, her questions, her indignant doubt remained, and she seized on it as a drowning woman may seize any passing flotsam, however slim. He has done all this badly, she said, through hard teeth. He has kept himself hidden when he ought to have come forth. And even now he demands pain from me without any token that I may trust him, without any promise, any assurance. That... And he asks too much. He has crushed Jan for her obedience, and Toron, and Nena, and Nissa. And what return do they have for it? 
How can he ask that I risk myself when he remains so aloof, when he will not enter any of my pain, when he will not face my accusation? Her voice grew in confidence as she surrounded herself with the mantra of the gods' injustices. The speaking of them aloud gave her comfort, the bare materials for a barricade she might erect against him. Her last words echoed ominously. The woman standing to the side of the slab turned slowly to face her. She had a plain face. In Lara's agony of mind, she paid it no notice. The woman's eyes held hers for a long moment. No token, she said simply. Lara wavered inwardly. Warm in her belly throbbed the god's meal, the driftwood table and its flagons of wine, its fresh burnished loaves, the ruby brew they had drunk on his gentle day, the weight of the goddess's necklace about her throat, the deep note of care in the god's moonlight, the warm strength of Toron's voice speaking sister to her. And heaviest, she felt Jan's hand in hers, even after. You may accuse the god if you will, said the shining one, each word carefully delivered. The last to do so was a great queen, but this court hears the lowly with the great. You may come and ascend the stand, and you may make your accusation, but the price of justice is that once you have done, you yourself must stand and be accused by it. She fell to her knees. Do you ask for this justice? the woman said. Lara bent her body to the earth palms flat beside, her hair spilled over her knuckles. No, she moaned. I could not stand beneath it. The strange woman had come and knelt before her where she lay. She put her hands over Lara's. If you then choose to eat of mercy... The only return you can make is trust. Yes, but how do I know he will... Her voice had shrunk to that of a small child. She choked on the words and the fear. Handle you well, gently, safely, keep you from hurt. The woman gave a long, quiet sigh. To Lara's surprise, she lowered herself to the earth beside her, sitting with her glinting panoply sprawled in the dust. Some hurts heal, said the woman, offering Lara a gaze she did not meet, and some safeties harm your kind. You've had some evidence for that already, and there will be more. 
But you fall first before finding how you'll be caught. Surety is the fruit of the falling and the catching. It grows nowhere else. Lara began to weep softly. The fall. Oh, the approaching fall. The woman watched her for some time before speaking again. Think instead of this. Can you craft safety for yourself? Can you keep yourself from hurt? She saw Diaron's face again, eyes draining of sight, and the blood over her own fierce hand. Her gut clenched. She shook her head in certain defeat. I am eaten from within. I am muddy water. Then what do you have that is better than this hope? The hope for life on the other side of risk. Lara could give her no answer. That alone has been reason for thousands to fall into the goddess. It is enough. She is not proud. She desires you so. She will gladly take you up after all else has failed you. You will learn better once you have come in. She could not unfurl the tightness in her gut. The blackened cairn seemed to fill all her vision, running like ice through the veins of her. Her tears had stopped, but she could summon no words. Over and again she shook her head, shaking, shaking. At last she said, I cannot. The woman looked at Lara's bent head. The keening began within her. Truly, she said in a whisper. Still Lara did not look at her. She angled her body away. I cannot. The woman rose slowly. Over her shoulders she drew a rough garment like a shroud, dimming the brilliance of her weeping, though Lara did not see it. She turned to go. Beloved, I will return, she whispered, for I never tire of you. But Lara, remote, papered over and refusing, did not hear. And in the silence, swiftly, her being seized up in a great tumult of scrabbling fear. The woman would go, and she would be with herself, alone, far beyond any voice or hand, only herself. She, who had slid open the neck of Diaron, beloved brother of the only person who had ever quite loved her. She would have that, and no more.
sitting with her in the screaming waste if the shining one left. Lara gave a half-noise without words, and the woman turned swift as a hind. Her face had grown bright so that Lara could no longer make out its features, and the gray cloak obscured the body beneath. Who was this? Don't leave me here, Lara whispered, too ashamed to say it while looking into the shining one's face. Don't leave me to myself. The figure sank beside her crumpled form and spread out both hands. Lara, the being said. She looked up. She saw. At last. At last she saw. She saw God. She saw Goddess. She saw. The face that looked on her, love full in the eyes, was her own. She laughed aloud, and within her breast rose that recklessness very like joy. She knew, suddenly, and in the marrow, that all would be well. May I? said the Shining One, and the voice, too, was hers, familiar as her skin, known from a time before all times, from her earliest breath, always with her, and everything it had was hers. Yes, my courage, she said at last. She held up her heart seeds in shrinking hands. The Shining One took them from her, laying them on the darkened stone with hands, ruddy and rough, that could not have been more tender. The fire descended, falling not like avalanches, but like sweet water. She felt pain, cried out, the Shining One came to her and held her as she watched the flames, enveloping with kiss and caress offered freely, and she knew herself then safe. Her weeping seized at her whole body. She could not sustain even this. In the final peak of its force, pleasure spilled over her and she gave the briefest of laughs before entering the release. The fire faded, and she slept. When she woke at last, the goddess smiled on her from within her own smile, touching the slender flowers like bells that rose from her breast, from the living hearts within. Come, said the Shining One, break bread with me. The summer is here. She followed over the mountains to the driftwood table 
eating the food of the gods as the goddess himself. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon. We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much.